You're entering into the Athlete's Garage, helping you achieve maximal physical performance to ultimately fulfill your absolute potential. Here's your host, physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach, Trang Nguyen. Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of the Athlete's Garage. My name is Trang Nguyen and I want to thank you for being here and listening to the podcast. I want to thank you for putting in the time, for putting in the effort and investing in your own learning and your own knowledge so that you can be a better athlete, so you can perform the best that you can. I appreciate each and every one of you who listen to The Athlete's Garage and can't thank you enough. So we're right in the peak of running season at the moment. In Melbourne, it's winter and we've just had Run Melbourne over the weekend. Gold Coast Marathon was only three weeks ago and Melbourne Marathon is coming up in 11 weeks time. So a lot of people are right into their training programs. A lot of people starting marathon programs for the Melbourne Marathon. We all want to run the best that we can, but our training doesn't always support it. Whether it's the lack of knowledge and just not knowing any better. Some people don't do their long or easy runs slow enough. Maybe they're not implementing any intervals into their training. Maybe they're increasing their workload too quickly or too slowly from week to week. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who may have extreme passion for running, which may be detrimental to their health and performance in times of injury where they need to be pulling back, but they still go for spontaneous runs or deliberately go against the guidelines and suggestions of their coach or health professional. Maybe it's simply just not doing the accessory work to complement the running, whether that is stretching and doing mobility work for those who need it or doing strength and conditioning training in the gym. When it comes to running performance, there are four main pillars that need to be mastered in order for an individual to reach maximal performance. The first one is fitness. For a runner to be really good, they need to have optimal cardiovascular fitness. But also technique is really important too, because if this runner has all the fitness in the world, but their technique is terrible, then they'll eventually hit a ceiling of how fast they can go, or they'll hit a wall when they get injured. Of course, the third pillar is training program they need to have the right training program to actually adapt and get fitter get faster to achieve high levels of running performance and lastly is strength a good runner needs to have the strength to firstly tolerate the loads that are demanded when it comes to running but also to have the strength to produce large amounts of force to run fast for long periods of time Majority of runners will be lacking at least one out of these four pillars, the pillars of fitness, technique, programming, and strength. And that may be what contributes to the fact that 75% of runners will get injured in the time that they spend running. 
And this isn't ideal because if a runner is injured, then they obviously won't be able to train. And that is time that they could be training to get fitter, to get faster, but instead they are likely getting deconditioned due to their injury. And on top of that, once a runner sustains an injury, that runner is at an increased risk of injury recurrence. So when they do go back to running, they're still at a heightened risk and may get re-injured, meaning that they'll have to continue to take time off training. So it becomes a little bit of a vicious cycle. So now that we know that, we want to reduce the risk of injury and actually reduce the risk of reoccurrence as much as possible. And the best way to do that is through strength training. So strength training is the best tool for rehab to reduce the risk of reoccurrence, but also through reducing the risk before it even happens. So strength training is not just reactive, it is proactive. Strength training is not only rehab, it is also prehab. So strength training may help increase your time that you spend training during your running career. But on top of that, strength training actually helps directly with running economy and can help with technique as well. If a runner has increased tolerance to the loads of running and is able to produce more force with each step, they're going to be able to run faster over longer distances and be able to hold good form for longer as well. So with all of that in mind, in today's episode, I'm going to go through six ways that you can train in the gym for maximal running power. Because you guys know that strength training is important. You know that you need to be doing it on top of your running. But how do you actually implement it in the gym for maximal transference into the sport of running? Well, you're about to find out. Let's get straight into it, shall we? Number one, finding the balance between functional training and strength training. So when it comes to training in the gym, there is a bit of a spectrum of how you can train. So there are people at one end of the spectrum who purely train for strength and nothing else, and that's all that matters in the world. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum where people are purely training for function, and they call that functional training. So functional training is essentially training that replicates the sport that you want to get better at, or replicate the function that you want to get better at. For example, amongst humans, squatting is considered a highly functional exercise because if we go back to the roots of how we used to live before toilets existed, we needed to squat to do our thing. Um, On top of that, running, throwing are considered functional movements because that is what is natural to our ancestors and what we needed to do on a day-to-day basis to survive. So in the gym, you'll have machines that you can do weights with and they are considered more strength-based because you're sitting down, you're using a machine that is not really natural for us humans and for our movement patterns, but because you don't have to focus on coordination or balance or anything like that, you can really focus on just pushing the weight in the one direction that the machine will let you do and then you're focusing on strength rather than the functional training. So there's this spectrum and you've got diehard fans on one end and diehard fans on the other end. But the reality is 
is that you've got to find the balance between the two. Because if you're only training strength and it's not functional to the sport that you're trying to get better at, if you're trying to just do strength and you're not really applying it to the muscle groups or the movement patterns that are required in running, then you're not going to actually get better at running. Versus if you're only focusing on a functional training, then you might only be running or you'd be doing running while holding weights. And that's really not that practical either because it's going to probably give you more injury than anything else. So you need to find the balance. And by doing that, you just find some strength exercises that do have movement patterns and muscle groups that relate to running. So squats, deadlifts, hip thrusts are all great compound movements that are functional um, and work the main muscle groups of running, but also work strength. And you'll see that each of my clients will have those three key exercises in their programs. And they also happen to be the three big rocks of the big 10 exercises for runners, which I have written a blog about in the past. And I'll link that in the podcast description. Number two, train strength. Now, this may seem contradictory to the previous point because I was just saying that you shouldn't just be training strength and you should also be training for function as well. But here I'm talking about strength in the context of a fitness component because there are so many different components of fitness that you can work. You'll be training strength. You can train endurance, you can train flexibility, you can train balance, you can train coordination. Um, But in the gym, you need to be training strength out of all of those things. And why is that, you may ask? As an endurance athlete, as runners, why am I telling you to train strength? The reason for that is when you are running, you are already working on the endurance system in your muscles and in your cardiovascular system. So when it comes to the gym, you need to pick up on the weak points, and that is strength. As endurance athletes, your primary goal is to improve your endurance, but it's also really important to have strength as well. Strength refers to the absolute force that you can produce in your muscles in one contraction versus endurance, which is the number of times that you can sustain repetitive contractions over a period of time. Strength is important for runners and all endurance athletes because it provides athletic qualities that endurance doesn't. Because strength increases the tissue's capacity to produce force in a single contraction, it actually increases all the tissue's ability to tolerate the high loads and the high demands of running. So in the bones, in the muscles, in the tendons, the ligaments, they actually have a higher capacity to withstand the forces that are exposed to you in running. Strength training increases tenderness stiffness, whereas endurance training doesn't achieve the same effect. The role of tendons is to store and release energy and allows you to bounce off the ground with each step in running. Tendon stiffness is a good thing and it's something that naturally declines with age. Tendon stiffness is how quickly and how strong a tendon can recoil after being stretched. So if you think about elastic bands, you can have those thick and heavy elastic bands that when you pull, it will recoil and recoil with a lot of power versus those thin, stretchy elastic bands. If you pull it, it'll also recoil, but it won't be as powerful and it might take just a split second longer to actually come back together. 
So that's what your tendons are. You actually want them to be like that thick, heavy, elastic band so that when you hit the ground, you can bounce up again. It's also protective against injury because when you are lacking tendon stiffness and it's not tolerating the demands of running is when tendinopathies occur. And I'm sure you've heard of that and how debilitating that can be. So what is strength training, you may ask? Strength training is training with a heavy weight for anywhere between one to five reps. If you're doing a light weight in your exercises that allows you to do much more than five reps, then that may be more considered endurance training. And this is actually better for you as an endurance athlete, because when you do anything less than five reps, you actually have less muscular hypertrophy, which is less muscular growth. So you still get stronger, but your muscles don't get bigger. And as an endurance athlete, that's a good thing because the heavier you are, the less efficient you are when you are moving the weight of your body over hours and hours. Lastly, studies have shown that strength training for two to three times a week on top of regular running improves running economy by 5% over a period of 16 weeks of training. So that just shows that the addition of strength training on top of endurance training is what improves running economy by 5%. So similar to the previous point, heavyweight training between one to five reps can be done for squats, deadlifts, hip thrusts, and many other exercises like lunges, Bulgarian split squats, leg press, step ups. They are all really good functional strength exercises for runners. Number three, train for power. So we've already spoken about endurance and strength and how they are both athletic qualities that you need to possess, but power is another one of them. Power is the explosiveness that you have as an athlete. And it is defined by the rate of force of development. So it's not just about how much force you can produce, it's how fast you can produce that force. Training power is best done through using lighter weight, anything under 40% of your one rep max, and you've got to do it for fast, explosive reps. For example, jumping, bounding, hopping, skipping, they are all powerful exercises that you can do. Now, contrary to popular belief, these type of power and plyometric exercises do not need to be done for reps of 50 or 100. When you were doing these, you were doing these to your maximal effort. So you only need to do anywhere between three to five sets of three to five reps. So if you're thinking of those boot camp classes where people do 50 box jumps followed by 50 burpees, that is just not maximal power enough. All you need to do is three to five maximal reps and that should leave you pretty knackered. On top of strength training, power training helps with more tendon stiffness um, because it increases that tendon's ability to store and release energy explosively and also helps to produce force more quickly to activate the muscles more quickly. So that's all going to help with your running speed because you're going to be that little bit more springy and boppy off the ground to increase each step length and ultimately how fast you can run. Number four, train full body days rather than split body parts. 
So if you walk into any gym and ask around for the most common training split, it would be splitting up the sessions between legs, chest, back, arms. This is common because a lot of people do train in the gym to build up their muscles or to look good in the mirror. But as endurance athletes, as runners, that would be a very inefficient way to train. You're already running, swimming, cycling so many times in the week. You may only have space in the week for one, two, maybe three sessions max in the gym. So that is valuable time and you would be wasting it if you did bicep curls or tricep pull downs instead of working all the relevant movement patterns and muscle groups for running. So as mentioned previously, squats, deadlifts, hip thrusts, lunges, they are all functional. They are all compound movements, meaning they work multiple muscle groups in one exercise. So that is time well spent. So for example, the squat doesn't just work the thighs. It works the thighs. It works the glutes, the core, the back muscles. So in one exercise, you can get all of that out of the way as well as training your body to recruit all of these muscles simultaneously as one unit, because that is what is functional and that is how the body works when you're running. It's not necessarily switching on certain muscles and switching off other muscles, it's recruiting everything as one. So the main muscle groups used in running are the glutes, the hamstrings, the calves, and the quads. So simply by doing hip thrusts, deadlifts, or squats, you're essentially hitting three of those muscle groups, your glutes, your hamstrings, and your quads. And then calf raises are the only way that you can actually work your calves separately. On top of that, you wanna make sure that you're doing some upper body training for good posture, for good arm swing power, as well as core, because that is the main stabilizer of the torso and it helps to effectively transfer forces between the upper and the lower body. So for upper body, you need a even balance between push and pull movements. Push movements are any movements that require you to push the weight away from you. So that can be push-ups, bench press, shoulder press, where you're actually pushing the weight away and counteracting those movements with pulling movements, which requires you to pull the weight towards you. So seated row, lat pull down, chin-ups, inverted row, they're all pulling movements. So you need a one-to-one ratio of those exercises. When it comes to the core, the core has multiple functions. Firstly, it's a stabilizer. So it resists external forces to protect the spine. So for example, if someone pushes you over, the core contracts to stabilize the torso so that you don't collapse over like jelly. And the opposite, it actually can produce force as well. So actually producing movement through the torso, like when you may be bending over to pick up something or when you're twisting to reach for something. When you are running, the core works primarily as a stabilizer because your hips are moving, your legs are moving. There's there's a lot of forces coming up your legs into the torso. So the core is working to stabilize the spine rather than to actually produce movement through the torso. So for that reason, I like to do stabilizing core exercises over force producing core exercises for runners. So think of plank variations as stabilizing exercises, 
Palov press, because in all of those exercises, the core isn't actually moving. It's simply resisting external forces, such as gravity in the plank. You can still do force producing exercises like sit-ups or crunches. I would just make sure that I'd have at least one stabilizing exercise before adding in any force producing exercise. So uh, make sure that you have both if you're gonna do any force producing exercises. So lastly, mobility. We haven't actually touched on this yet, but that is something that you could do at the start of your session or at the end of your session. And mobility refers to anything like stretching, maybe foam rolling, massage board trigger pointing, any of those things that help to increase your flexibility um, through your joints and your muscles. Mobility is often perceived as crucial because it reduces injury and it helps you perform better. But the reality is mobility is only needed if you actually need it. So if you're someone who's already flexible, if you're someone who doesn't have any deficits in your joint range of motion, then you don't actually necessarily need to do extra stretching. Maybe you still need to do some foam rolling or use the massage ball because you do feel like you get tight after your sessions. But unless you have joint range of motion deficits, then you don't actually necessarily have to do extra mobility because it's pretty boring anyway. So you'd wanna do the minimum that you have to. All right, number five, train the big movement patterns first, followed by the accessories afterwards. So this is gonna be a really quick point, um, expanding further on the previous point about how you're gonna do some major compound movements like your squats, your deadlifts, lunges, hip thrusts. Do that first so that you're fresh for it. Um, And then you can do your single leg exercises, your core, your mobility, your upper body, all of those accessory exercises afterwards, because you may not need as much energy um, to do those exercises. So you can save all of your force producing capabilities for those big, heavy exercises at the start. Number six, master the basics. This seems so simple, but we all unconsciously open up Google, open up Runner's World magazine and see the article title, 20 new ways you can work your core or the magical new pill that will make you run 5% faster than you're currently running. And we get hooked onto it. We, We get sold into it. Everyone thinks they need to reinvent the wheel so that it's new and sexy and trendy. But the fact is those new tools or those new revelations are often marketing tools rather than modalities that have had years of research and effectiveness behind them. When it comes to strength and conditioning, we know that the compound strength training works. There is research behind it. It shows that it improves running performance. It shows that it helps with injury reduction. So that's all you need to do. So what I've said in today's episode is the bulk and is the basis of my own programming in the work that I've done in years there is no need to take out fancy equipment or fancy new exercises that you've never heard of before because the truth is you just need to master the basics, be consistent with the basics, and that is what is going to help you get results. So there it is, the six ways that you can train in the gym for maximal running 
power. Number one, find the right balance between functional training and strength training. Two, train for strength. Three, train for power. Four, train full body. Five, train compound movements first in your session, then followed up with all the accessory exercises. And number six, master the basics. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the very end of this episode of The Athlete's Garage. I hope that this episode was very useful for you so that you can take away at least some information covered in this episode to actually implement straight away into your training. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please take a screenshot and share the episode on your social medias with all of your runner friends so that other people like you can discover and learn from this podcast as well. If you've got the time and you're able to, then hop on to the podcast on Apple iTunes or Spotify and leave us an honest review because that will once again help many others discover the podcast too. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. You are now part of the tribe. You are part of the family who are committed and driven to learn more, to be the best version of themselves as an endurance athlete. So be proud. We'll be back in the next episode with another expert guest. So keep an eye out for that one. Until then, guys, have a good one.